Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you ultimate control. With the XFi app, you can pause the Wi-Fi at the push of a button. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Hello and welcome to For Fans Of, a Netflix and streaming podcast from Fansided. I'm Shay Corrigan and joining me is Josh Hill. And we're here to talk about everything that's coming to Netflix in August. But before we do that, we got to do a little reflection. We got to talk about July. We do. Um, I'll just jump right into it and say that I talked about the Zac Efron show last time and I kind of jokingly did it and I was like, oh yeah, this could be a thing. And then it did turn into a thing. (laughs) So uh, I'm I'm glad I was an early investor in that show. but no, I felt like that and um, Unsolved Mysteries were kind of like, Unsolved Mysteries more specifically was like uh, The Floor is Lava, where nobody really kind of expected or we, it wasn't on our radar last time we talked about releases. And then that kind of had a moment, um, both in that it was interesting and also people were somehow upset that the mysteries weren't solved at the end of the episode, despite the title. So <laughs> That, that was a nice late, mid to end of the month push with those two shows. I will say, I have to defend us a little bit because I was thinking about that too, where I was like, how could we have overlooked Unsolved Mysteries as like a high potential Netflix edition? And it's because Netflix, as we know, I'm not like that's fully dove into, they roll out their announcements. They announce like new things like halfway through the month or a week into the month. So the list that we operate on now when they make the big announcement isn't doesn't have everything because I, th- I think this happened a previous month too where i was like how did we miss that right so i'm gonna i'm gonna defend us and saying we didn't overlook unsolved mysteries we didn't know about it but it absolutely it was one that sort of like came out of left field to just sort of like capture everyone like i just like have to sit in and i'm just i don't know and i think to your point there's something there about like you know there's not going to be an answer there mm-hmm. and you still watch and you still are like hitting Google immediately after being like, right, but is, the, is it solved? <laughs> <laughs> um, whereas Zach Efron was kind of the opposite end of the spectrum where I, this I will say is Netflix has a lot of strengths, but their ability to find or create these just like utterly charming, bizarre pairings is amazing. And it's, like, I, I had no idea Zac Efron was interested in travel or the environment or any of the other. And I don't even know if he knew that he was interested in that based on his like sheer bewilderment about all sorts of things the entire time. But it was just, it was in like eight episodes, just delightful. And I think that I will say, and I think I said this previously is one of my favorite things about the Netflix top 10 is that the sheer mass of people watching things put things on your radar that you might not have otherwise been thinking about or watching. And I think, you know, down to earth with Zac Efron was top tier Netflix charm. It was, and there was a small meme ability to it too, 
which I invest way much more value in than probably I should. But if a show is memed and I find out about it through the meme, because I'd forgotten about it. I mentioned it last month and I forgot like to watch it on the first week it was out. And then I saw the memes going around on Twitter. And I was like, oh, here we go. This now, now we're cooking with it. And the, the kind of late blooming Netflix stuff, I know we talked about Athlete A. That one popped a little bit late too. I, had, I talked to a lot of people, a lot of my friends were talking about that throughout the month like oh did you check out athlete a so that was one of those slow burns that it eventually got to where we thought it might have been um, so it was a weird month of things kind of overlapping or popping a little bit later than we thought so but a good month i was very skeptical of july sort of heading into that or of netflix july offerings um heading into the month that i was i had to eat my words a little bit there it was uh, a solid collection of streaming things to keep us all keep us all distracted um but now let's talk august mm. i i'm especially excited we'll get to the originals in a moment because that's always kind of the headline stuff but i was especially excited by the movies that are coming to netflix like netflix it seems like with a greater emphasis on original content and even the original movies the whole like being a amazing streamable library has kind of fallen to the wayside. But I felt like with the movies in particular, like there is like such a strong lineup here. And I just sort of start us up. Well, I'm especially excited to see A Knight's Tale, which is mm -hmm. an old Heath Ledger movie, uh, where it's like a Heath it's like a period sports movie. Yeah. About jousting. And it's so sweet and charming and just a real underrated Heath Ledger, uh, especially coming off, like, spending a lot of time with Heath Ledger's Joker and preparing for, like, our Nolan Week stuff. It was very, I just, uh, I was glad to see that there. Yeah, A Knight's Tale, that's a good one. The, uh, I remember watching that for the first time, and one of, like, the cool rewatchable moments is, like, you're in this weird medieval movie, and all of a sudden they start chanting, we will rock you. I'm like, oh, I guess Queen exists in medieval times. Here we go. Uh, I, I have a, at some point they're very ahead of their time with the anachronistic music choices. <laughs> right. I do have a similar, I don't know how well it was received, but it is a much better movie than people remember and it needs to be revisited. But Ocean's 12 is coming to Netflix and that's like, it's one of the better sequels that I can remember. And it's got, not because it's trying to do anything the first movie did. It's kind of just like Danny Ocean goes to Europe. It's like Brad Pitt and his European vacation. And it's just really like snappy and funny. And it's almost like they were making fun of the idea of a sequel and the idea of the entire existence of these ocean movies within an oceans movie. And of course, the whole Julia Roberts thing at the end, I think that that's aged extremely well as we've moved more towards meta being accepted as in the in storytelling. So Ocean's 12, that's that that's one that stuck out to me as far as something I'm really looking forward to out of these movies, because there's a ton of them coming. Yeah. And interesting, we can get to this when we talk a little bit about what's leaving, but I saw uh, the first two Daniel Craig Bonds are coming. And mm. I'm always, I, this, this year in particular, I'm really interested in sort of reading far too deeply into the sort of arrival and departures that would theoretically have been aligned with um, like blockbuster releases that didn't happen. And I think, I remember right, the Bond only came to Netflix in like April or May. So it seems like there's like a clear like, all right, you guys get three months with them and they have to come back. And I don't know, I just, I find that stuff 
interesting, but that's probably mostly just me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's weird. It's interesting to see the whole machine keep working, even though we're missing like the main piece of it. It's like, Oh, this is kind of the curtains dropped a little bit. And we're seeing what Oz is like. Yeah. <laughs> Except without, I don't know. There's like a disconnect there too. <laughs> um, all right. Well, the other one, and it was only announced, I want to say yesterday that immediately caught my attention. And, um, I think caught sort of the attention and the excitement of um, basically everyone on my Twitter feed is the, they're bringing the four books, as they're called, of the Legend of Korra to Netflix, which mm-hmm. is the uh, Avatar Last Airbender spinoff. Let's talk about that. Yeah, the, it's interesting because we just talked about how Netflix kind of has staggered these movie releases versus the blockbusters as they're coming out, except the blockbusters aren't coming out. But it definitely feels calculated that we had a huge boom in interest in Air, uh, The Last Airbender when it came to Netflix. And everybody was talking about that. And I remember watching that show when it was on growing up, and I forgot about it completely. And then it kind of had this weird revival moment because it came on the Netflix. And I haven't thought about The Legend of Korra in forever. And now it's coming back to Netflix kind of riding that way or coming to Netflix, riding that wave that Airbender kind of started. It's going to be a weird kind of conversation because people, there's a lot of people out of the loop on Airbender and uh, Legend of Korra. And I'm more out of the loop on Legend of Korra than Airbender. But it's just interesting to see the strategy of those two things lined up and how well Airbender worked as far as creating conversation and hype. And now we're going to go straight into Korra. That's, it's an interesting stra- strategy play to see kind of roll out by Netflix. I'm, I'm excited and interested to sort of see the momentum continue to build because it was something that I saw, I felt like I saw a lot of people on my Twitter timeline at least like announcing their intention to watch Airbender for the first time and then like live tweeting it as they went through it. And like there was, I remember there was a story about like, you can start with this episode, like this far in, it's the best one if you want to see if like it's for you or not. And then other people are like, no, you have to start from the beginning. So it felt like we were kind of watching um, a fandom expand in real time. I don't want to say like build because I think, you know, the Avatar fandom existed for a long time. It was very large worldwide before the summer, but it did seem like there was kind of, it, it hit a new, it like pushed out in like further directions. Um, and I was sort of seeing those tweets even last week. And, you know, we were talking before about apparently um, Avatar set a record for like the longest amount of time, longest consecutive days in Netflix, like daily top 10 um and to sort of see all that and then have that accumulate with like all right you guys want more like we've got i don't know if that was already on the plans or if they were just making phone calls all throughout july be like how do we get how do we get this to add to our library um but i think that is going to be be a show that we'll be talking about uh this time next month for sure i think so too and it is cool like you said to kind of have this rediscovery of fandom because it was lying dormant for a long time because i don't remember the last time i had had a conversation about airbender other than the weird movie that came out that then people were defending the live action movie which was panned when it came out and everybody hated it we all of a sudden had rose tinted glasses about that we're like ah, you know maybe the, that one's not that bad either so yeah it, it, the rediscovery of fandom is an interesting kind of 30,000 foot view to, to take on something that i wasn't embedded in too deeply but it's it's fascinating to watch 
Um, and I want to talk to you now, sort of on a different note, about Netflix originals that are coming in August. Because it's kind of a strange lineup. Um, and I have to talk first, because I would be remiss if I did not mention it, because it's too important to too many of my friends. Selling Sunset. Selling Sunset, for those that are unfamiliar, is Netflix's take on like Real Housewives, basically, or any of the Bravo shows. Like it's it's Netflix doing Bravo, um, and it's focused on real estate agents, I believe, um, in California, LA, I think. Um, I I take my information through osmosis through a group chat and like only a little bit of it sticks. Um, but apparently it's amazing. And it has various wives and now ex-wives of like actors, like the uh, Justin Hartley, the guy from This Is Us, his now ex-wife is one of the stars of it. And it's got this like growing momentum of, you know, just reality show cult, fandom because it isn't it wasn't part of like that bravo batch that all comes together and just like all streams together it was netflix but it wasn't netflix doing the dating shows or netflix doing like flora's lava which was amazing um and so it's right now it's kind of it's its own entity but it's i think the second season only came out this past spring so they're really sort of like ramping it all up um and yeah, I, I am begrudgingly excited or excited at least to sort of check in with my friends and be like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> Is this fun? Is this a good season? It does definitely feel like something that might have been on E in like the mid aughts or something. You know, we had this boon of like interestingly weird reality television that focused on like plastic surgeons and people that like shouldn't be reality stars, but it's like, Oh, and it's like not quite HGTV. It's more like a spruced up. I don't know. I've not checked it out before. This was mentioned in our rundown. So it was a huge blind spot for me, but now I'm super checked up to see what this is all about. So the, the group text message has transcended into everything else. It's the classic thing of, reality show producers trying to find like a vague gimmick or premise to make their show more than just like watching rich people fight and this one is real estate which already has like a huge like the voyeurism factor there from like hgtv like you mentioned is top notch so it's got it's got a lot working in its favor and i think part of the strength of all those bravo shows is the years you've spent with the people Mm -hmm. um and like Vanderbilt might be the exception there, but like most of them sort of like get better as they age. And then they kind of fall off. Like there's like a sweet spot there. And I think like season three kind of is that sweet spot. And so I feel like this Selling Sunset is going to hit the spot for a lot of people at the right time this August. I'm sold on Sunset, so. It's <laughs> <laughs> like on a show that I don't even watch. Guys. <laughs> 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 What does excite you from the originals lineup? Um, Teenage Bounty Hunters really excites me. Um, uh, you know, Genji Cohen from Orange is the New Black fame. It's her show. Um, really looking forward to that just because it's – we talked about Ryan Murphy and these big television stars, these showrunners that are really in control of a certain brand of a show. And it's like when you see their name attached, you're like, okay this is probably going to be something that I'm interested in. I feel I get that same vibe from Teenage Bounty Hunters because it's 
we just talked about weird concepts that shouldn't work but do work but teenage bounty is just like an interesting title then you dig into it a little bit more and see what it's about that's it's it's a good august binge burn type of deal where it's you know you get a weekend to kill you don't want to really think that hard so interrupt you and have you pitch us on the premise of it for any listeners that don't know because it is too strange not too strange to be believed but it's just it's bizarre (laughs) teenage bounty hunters (laughs) um i really don't know too much about the premise of it not gonna lie to you (laughs) so you might have to take it from there i really went from the title and i saw uh uh Genji Cohen and I was like, I'm in. So sell me like you sold me on Selling Sunset. Well, I don't have much more to add that. And to be fair, a lot of it is in the title of Teenage Bounty Hunters. But the Teenage Bounty Hunters in Questions are two Christian teens, or two, yeah, two Christian teen twins. So there's like a whole part about growing up in like a white suburban Christian community and that the that of it all and like one of the promo photos have them like you know confronting someone and holding like bibles in both their hands and then on top of that they somehow and this is the part where i don't know get buddied up with an actual bounty hunter and then they become bounty hunters and i don't know there's just like a lot a lot going on there that seems very beyond the their teenage bounty hunters but they're twins teens and you know apparently the um, their religion is going to be a big, big part of it too. So a lot of things happening on this show. Which I'm not surprised is a massively convoluted show from what we've come to know from Kenji Cohen. So um, I'm, I'm into it. Even though the premise of it escaped me. It was like title, creator, we're in. So, and it's, it's August. Like we're, we're not really expecting something huge, like no massive like television releases are coming out in August that we're going to be like prestige television. This is kind of a sweet spot for cheesy, pulpy television. And that's checks so many boxes on that. So. Yeah. And it is, it's something I feel like we talked about last month where it's like the bar is like a, just low on Netflix where it's like, I already have a subscription. If it's at all interesting, if you've got enough going on, whether it's premise, creator, or cast, like, you will probably watch. We'll give it a shot. Why not? Right. Um, And there is one more teen show that I want to talk about, which is Trinkets. Mm. Which felt like it should have been... Netflix has a very strong track record with teen shows. And it felt like Trinkets should have been more of a thing when the first season came out mm-hmm. um it's about three uh teens uh who are shoplifters and they meet in a like shoplifting anonymous group um and they they all go to high school together but they have very ones new in town one and the other two like used to be best friends and then one became super popular and the other one you know they sort of had a falling out tales old time um and then they're all kind of like brought back together through this you know, various things happen and so on and so forth. And it was very, it was sweet. It was very good. It was like, it was, you know, totally in line with what Netflix does in the genre. But the thing that stuck with me all this time, and it's not why I will watch the second season, but it's something that I, it's just an association that I can never give up. I need to know if Adidas is doing product placement because I have never seen so much Adidas on so many people 
And I lived in Europe for like 14 years. Like, it's everywhere. It's every scene. And it's like the whole, the trifoil, like you can see it's, it's amazing. And I know Akadidas is headquartered in Portland. So it's, it makes sense, but like not on the scale it's happening. Like it is distracting how much these kids wear Adidas. Um, and that is unfortunately like my primary association with the show Trinket. So I am excited for season two because I want to see what, you know, the trio of girls are up to now, but I also want to see um, what they're wearing. <laughs> <laughs> the, the old Adidas equation or Adidas. I guess we, get, we don't have to have that conversation now. It's Adidas. But... Adidas. <laughs> um, oh, one, one other one is uh, Work It. I do know the premise of this one because I... <laughs> Um, cause it's weird. It feels like we talked about things that like, uh, selling sunsets, like, a of a different time where it felt like a mid aughts E show a little bit mashed up with what's going on with Bravo now work. It definitely feels like someone was like pitch perfect, but also step it up. So what do we want to do here? And it's, you know, Alicia Keys is involved. So she's got, I got some, she, there's some trust there with Alicia Keys. It's also like, we're coming off, you know, we mentioned Ryan Murphy, but like Glee and there's all of these like music, you know, high school musicals, another one, I guess we want to mention Zac Efron, but like these coming of age musical films are like interesting because none of them are particularly good yet. We continue to make more of them and we've invested Netflix money into this. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'll check it out more from the, uh, it's a car crash type of deal. You know, you can't, you can't look away, but. It's, I think it's going to get destroyed. <laughs> and I think that because it has, I mean, on, on the plus side of the influences, it, it definitely has some strong, like, bring it on energy too. Mm -hmm. But the trailer positioned this as an untalented white girl who is your lead, doesn't make the dance team, that is currently led by like a bunch of extremely talented black and um, brown dancers. Like everyone on that team should be on that team. They look super talented. She very much does not. And then it's like the underdog story of her forming a troupe to like take on the big bad talented dancers <laughs> while also still not being, I don't know. There's just like a lot of like, real rough optics there and i mean i saw it on my timeline like when the trailer came out people were like whoa 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 like, it's not even clear if netflix or like the show creators like their protagonist like she's not given a very flattering cut in the trailer and it's just it was and it begins with her like praying to beyonce or something there's just it's gonna be an absolute like cringe masterpiece oh yeah and i feel like it could it will like, fold it on itself or people watch it or the screenshots of the absurdity and just like go all in on, you know, the villains of the story. Right. And for that, I can't wait. Put it in like a roundabout way. <laughs> it does feel like it could be a little problematic, more problematic than uh, the snowman, which I went to go see in the theater, which was the whole point of it was, it was not a good movie. And it was like, they didn't even complete it. And Michael Fassbender is in it. And it's like a serial killer movie, but they got halfway through and they like ran out of money or they needed to release it. And they're like, sure, fine. Just take this cut. It's incomplete. Wait, that's was that the Mr. Policeman one? Yes, that one. I paid money to see that. Well, I paid MoviePass money to see it. So I, that, that tells you what kind of person I am to be in on Work It 
from just a totally macabre view of it. So when will the man come to Netflix? We'll have to do a special emergency episode. That that would also get destroyed in a fun <laughs> way. Uh. Anyways, so that's what's coming. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about what's leaving. I on the subject of teens. There's two huge losses here. One is Clueless, which mm. just celebrated its 25th anniversary, which is an astounding number, um, the other week. That's going to be – I feel like that's – every time we do this, there are movies that I'm like, oh, wait, I need to watch this before it leaves because I've been meaning to watch it forever, and I want to rewatch it. So that, Clueless, tragic. But then also, All of Skins, which is near and dear to my heart uh, as a youth – um, but yeah, those are my, those definitely caught my attention right off the bat, though they are sort of almost objectively not the best things that are leaving. <laughs> <laughs> well, Skins, we got to give a shout out to Skins, because that was, and still is, I guess, a really good show. And everybody, I'm always fascinated how people find that show, because it's never the same way. It's not like a show where it was on, and you're like, oh, you need to watch it every single week. Everybody discovers that one on like a weird path, and it's an odd show to just like discover and then want to talk about it and not nobody to talk to about it, or you're not sure who else has seen it. And it's also not an easy show to bring up, but I don't know. It's skins is yeah. RIP to skins on Netflix. Also while we're talking skins, cause when skin, this is, I feel like the most organic way that skins comes up, at least in the U S is the bananas cast because mm-hmm. It was cast by people, they were all like just teens or whatever. I think maybe some of them might have had credit, but they were mostly unknowns. And now they are incredibly well known. You have Nicholas Holt, who needs no follow up quotes, Joe Dempsey, who was on Game of Thrones, Hannah Murray, who was on Game of Thrones. You have Jack O'Connell, who became like a low key indie star, uh, Dev Patel. Um, and I want to say Sebastian D'Souza was on it, who was just on The Great, and he's in something else that came out recently. Daniel Kaluuya was on it as well. Like, it was just, in various, like, it's, it's, I don't know, I don't know who cast that show and what they're doing now, but good lord. Like, <laughs> way to spot talent in teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that's, that's in the pantheon of all time casting moves right there it's like because you all like rewatch doctor who and be like oh that person had like a little bit part on doctor who it's like that except they're like they're teenagers and there's lots of sex and drugs and swearing i'm like oh okay yeah, we'll, we'll take that um, I will say that's the pitch to watch the first season of skins if you need to is like all these like a-list actors who were legitimately teenagers and dressed like teens in the aughts because it was the aughts so if you want like terrible fashion and haircuts on some of the best actors working today, that's your show. <laughs> right? And not to make this a skin special, but like, how did they not recreate a great cast for like the very terrible American remake, the MTV remake, which was awful, which somebody did probably have this, the sales pitch that we just gave, which is it's like, it's sex, it's drugs, and it's, you know, swearing with all of these famous people, except we're not going to get any famous people and it's going to be terrible. It's going to be on for one season and it's just another American remake of something, a great British show that's not going to work. I don't, I don't know how MTV didn't dip into the pocketbook to get a nice cast for that, given what we had seen from the, from the BBC version. Yeah, I, I, we need to move on, but I think writing about how, how and why the US version of Skins was so trash was one of the first things that I ever wrote as like a we 
college entertainment journalists. So, you know, fun <laughs> times, memories. Uh, On uh, to other subjects. <laughs> yeah. Well, hard pivot away from Skins leaving Netflix. Um, it, Jerry Maguire's leaving Netflix. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, uh, a nice, and I remember speaking of, you know, old or first writing experiences. I think I remember writing a college paper on Jerry Maguire in film school. So there's that. But that that's a nice special movie. Also, the Bad Boys movies are leaving. And that, again, kind of feels like the uh, strategy that we were talking about earlier, where Netflix is like, okay, building this around a big blockbuster release. Granted, it came out in January, but it feels like now it's starting to pick up you know, rentals and a second life on video on demand. So the Bad Boy movie's leaving. That's going to be a tough one if you're trying to catch up for, for bad ones. And those are just good movies. Like Will Smith, like we want some fun, especially we want happy Will Smith now after what we had last week. Let's get some fun, happy Will Smith in our life. But, you know, enjoy it while it lasts, I guess. Like all things in Will Smith's life, apparently. So. <laughs> a real dark turn. <laughs> yeah, I'd say um, along with Clueless, the one movie that I absolutely want to rewatch before it leaves and luckily, I maybe need to double check this, but I think it doesn't leave till the end of August, so I think I have some time here, but is the original Candyman. And again, oh. to reiterate ourselves for like the third or fourth time, that seems like an obvious, like this was when um, the new Candyman was supposed to come out. And so there's, you see like an obvious like alignment there. They like to pull those movies when, right when you're thinking, oh, I need to go rewatch that. Um, but the, that aside, like the original Candyman is really good. And like, it's, I think when, um, Get Out happened, everyone was like, oh wow, can you imagine social commentary and horror? And it's like, it's kind of always been there in horror. People just weren't, um, critics, uh, tended to not give horror its due for a depth. Um, and I think Candyman is absolutely one of those that like rewatching older movies now in a time where I think we're like more primed to sort of read and see commentary and things is just, you know, it, it's a, it's an experience. And I think, you know, we can't watch the new Candyman this summer. So might as well watch the old one. Cause it's really good. Oh, enjoy it while it lasts too. So <laughs> since it's leaving Netflix. Exactly. All right. So anything else that's leaving that you're bummed about? Um, we could give shouts to the Karate Kid. Also, Valentine's Day is leaving, and I only mention that because I remember paying. This is like another I paid to see a lot of bad movies, so let's we're making official record of this. I remember paying to see that whenever it came out. Hadn't thought about it. It was on at the gym like last week, and now it's on this Netflix list. So it's a weird Valentine's Day revival in my life. Is that the one with Taylor Swift? Because she's also topical today. Yep, and that was the Taylor Swift scene. I was like, what is this Taylor Swift movie? I'm like, oh, that's right. After 45 minutes, I was like, Valentine's Day. She's in it. Taylor Lautner was in that scene, too. And I was like, I remember when this was pop culture. That's, yeah. that's ephemera right there. That is peak. And it made like a good, like you got all the, you got all the teens with that, that pairing. Right. Um. All right, so I think we can sort of begin to wrap up and end how we like to end with if there's one thing you're most looking forward to seeing in August on Netflix, what is it? I saved, the easy answer would be James Bond, but I'm going to go 
a different route. Um, I saved this one. Project Power is a Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Jamie Foxx movie that's coming out. And it's a, like an action movie set in New Orleans. And one of them's a cop. One of them's a former soldier. And I became aware of this following JGL on uh, Instagram. And he's like wearing a Saints jersey and he's talking about shooting this movie. And I thought it was one of his like hit record things. I was like, oh, this is like, you do this every day. I was like, oh, he's making a, a new movie. And now it comes out that it's Jamie Foxx, Joseph Gordon-Levitt set in this like action movie in, in New Orleans. So really looking forward to that. And hot off the heels of Christopher Nolan week where JGL, very present in my life. So. <laughs> Top of my... All right, I gotta go. Oh man, I'm just, I'm like, it's like a toss up between the three teen shows. And I think I'm going to go with the train wreck of Work It because I'm going to watch it even though I just talk about how bad it's going to be. I just I like to be very well educated on the things I hate, so I don't like to like hate things that I cannot speak eloquently about why I hate them. So I'm going to have to watch it for that purpose. So that's my pick. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, stay tuned for the September edition of for fans of because, oh boy, are we going to dig into Work It. <laughs> We're going to have a whole segment dedicated to it. I'm going to be really bummed about how it's good or really excited about how it's bad, which is a reverse of what we usually go for on the show. <laughs> Anyways, uh, that's our show. That's what's coming to Netflix in August and what we're most excited about. I'm Shay Corrigan. Joining me is Josh Hill. And we'll see you next month. Xfinity XFi is more than just fast. It's internet that gives you peace of mind security. Because if it's connected, it's protected. Yeah, even your robot vacuum. Can your internet do that? Learn more at Xfinity.com slash XFi. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.